so this morning, I'm really going to be preaching again out of Hebrews. On uh, so, so last Sunday, we talked about the shedding of innocent blood. Then on Thursday, I was really laying a foundation about the blood of Christ being the very centerpiece of the gospel, the blood of Jesus Christ. And you don't hear a lot of people talking and preaching on the blood anymore, but it's really we're, we're a place where we've got to get back to the basics, right? Because, the, because God doesn't change. Our circumstances change, and he's always growing us, right? And, he, and, and he's moving the body of Christ forward. But there are ancient pathways, and there are ancient ways, and God loves his ancient ways because they work. So Jesus gave his life, and he shed his blood so that we could be reconciled to who? To the Father. In the Old Testament... God was called God, and you couldn't even spell it. You couldn't say it. You couldn't spell it. It was with, you had to remove the O because there was so much fear associated with it. The priesthood in the Old Testament, when they, when the priests went into the Holy of Holies, when they went before the mercy seat of God with the blood, they actually had to approach it by backing in to the Holy of Holies. They couldn't even approach it by walking forward. So when they entered into the Holy of Holies, they had to do it this way, sprinkling the blood of the sacrifice. But today, because of the blood of the new covenant, because of the New Testament. Because there's been a New Testament that has been signed. It's a new covenant that's been signed. And it was signed with the blood of the perfect and spotless lamb. That we can actually now approach that place in God because of that blood. And the word says, and we, we talked about this on Thursday. The word says that we can approach him boldly. That word boldly, it means that with our speech, with our actions, with our countenance, with our physical body, that we would actually come, and it's a familiar stance towards God. It's like family. Because we no longer call him God, but we call him Father. Because Jesus came and he, and, he, and, he, and he came to show us a new way. He came to reconcile us to Abba. That he's now daddy. He's not just God, but he's dad. So it's, it's, it's a new and living way. That's what Hebrews says. He, Hebrews 10 says that it's now a new and living way. So John 14, 12, uh, Jesus is talking and he says this, I have come and I'm doing these works, but you guys are actually going to do greater works than I'm doing because I'm going to go to my father. And I wrestle with this because I'm thinking, I haven't walked on water yet. I haven't raised the dead yet. I haven't, I'm not really, we're not really functioning in the greater works. So I'm wrestling with this and I'm, and I'm asking myself, I don't understand this. Where is the fullness of the power of God? Where are the people that can carry that kind of authority and that kind of power? Because I don't know about y'all, but you know, I, I didn't get into this, you know, as I'm not a career preacher pastor, not sure what I am, 
prophet, whatever person. You know, I mean, this is not a career. This is, this is a call. Every single one of us have a call on our lives. And we're looking for the keys so that we can be the most successful. So that we can win at this. And so I felt like through studying the, the word and, and, and the, getting the revelation of the blood of Jesus, I feel like that I have, I have discovered a key. And it, it, it just broke my heart this week because I knew it, but I didn't, I've never seen it through, through this lens before. So today's message is called, The Blood is the Key to the Throne Room. Because I want to do the greater works because I want Jesus to get the, the everything that he paid for at the cross. I want him to have the fullness of what he died for in me. And I want that for you as well. So I'm just going to pray. Well, Father, I pray that you would um, release a spirit of wisdom and revelation that our eyes and our ears and our hearts would be open, that we can see and hear, and that we would have a knowledge and an understanding of the depths of your heart. So Jesus said this, ask anything in my name and I will do it. Man, that's incredible. Anything, ask anything in my name and I will do it. John 15 says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And he said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. This is basically Jesus job description while he lived on the earth. And so if we want to do the things that Jesus did, then, and, and get the fruit that he, he got and the works that he functioned in, then we've got to do what he did on the earth. And so what did he do? Well, he abided in the Father. Because he said, I only do what I see my Father doing and I only say what I hear my Father saying. So there was such a connectedness between he and the Father. This is Christianity 101, right? I mean, we, we can all agree with this, right? But he doesn't, he doesn't say this, abide with the Father. He says abide in the Father. So that's really what I want to talk about this morning. Because I think a lot of us understand the with part because we can, we can get our minds around that, but we don't really understand the end part. You want me to abide in you, okay? Christ in me, the hope of glory. And you want me to abide in you. So he said, abide in me and I in you. It's John 17. It's the prayer that he prayed for us before he went to the cross. He said, Father, I pray that they would be with me where I am. Not the other way around. Because particularly, we, we typically will pray, God, I pray that you would be with me where I am. Because I got this deal going. I'm doing business and I got this deal. And I need you to come down and I need you to bless what I'm doing. 
But he didn't say that. He said, I pray that they would be with me where I am. So we look at this powerful life and Jesus came and he humbled himself and he became a man. He actually operated, he was fully God and fully man, but he was functioning as man on the earth. We already saw God and how he functioned. You look at the book of Genesis, there was no mistaking about what was happening there. What was God doing? He was creating. He was creating everything. He said, look, the moon, the stars, the sun, the earth, the animals, the vegetation. I am God. And then Jesus came down and he functioned as a man who was abiding in the Father because he was a forerunner to show us what this would look like. Because we are to be in the Father. He was the firstborn of many brethren. You know, and a lot of people say, okay, well, that kind of life isn't really available for us anymore. That was really for Jesus, and it was for the first church, and it was for the laying of the foundation of the first church. But that's not what the word says. The harvest is at the end of the age, and he said that there would be a generation on the earth that would be his bride before his coming. Well, the bride functions as a holy and spotless ones, right? So there is actually going to be a return. We are actually coming back to the place that the first church walked in, if not even greater than that. Because it, the word says that the, the wheat and the tares are going to grow up together and darkness will cover the earth. But our light will shine in the midst of that darkness. So turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 4. You look at, at, at what was going on in, the, in, the, um, in Acts, and it's phenomenal the kind of power that they were walking in, right? And this wasn't just the apostles, because the apostles were walking in the power, right? It was Peter's shadow that was healing people. Incredible stuff. But if you look at Stephen, and you look at Philip, these guys were not leaders in the church. These guys were laymen in the church. They were workers in the church. And Stephen was actually in the midst of being arrested because he was walking in so much power. When in fact, he gives this, this, this um, prose and this, this oracle of the history of Israel. And he does it with so much poetry and, and so much precision that they end up stoning him. And look at Philip. Here's Philip. He's the guy in the back. You know, he's just waiting on tables. He's serving in, in the church. He's walking in so much power that he goes and he, and he saves a eunuch and then all of a sudden he's transported to another city. Psh. Come on, now that's power. You don't need airline miles for that, right? That's how I want to roll. Okay, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Ooh, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. Jesus loves when we talk about him. He's like, oh, listen, they're talking about me. So, so all of this, this, you know, Paul said this, I have not come to you with a great message, but I've come to you with a demonstration of power. 
we start demonstrating the power and the people will see the message in the things that we do. Who is this God that they serve? Who is this God that they know? Amen? All right, Hebrews 4, 4, ooh, 16. Okay, let's start with 14. I'm just going to read 14 and 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Oh, that's so beautiful. Just let that sit for a while. He's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what is he saying here? He's saying, number one, he's saying there's an invitation. There is an invitation that has been sent out to come to where? It's like an invitation. You know an invitation when you fill out your kid's birthday party invitation. It's got all the, it's got all the what, the where, the how, the why, da 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 da. You fill it all out. So this, so this is what he basically does. He's saying, listen, there's an invitation. And the invitation says, let us come. Let us come. So we're coming somewhere. Where are we coming? Where? To the throne. Let us come to the throne. Huh. The throne of what? The throne of grace. So Strong's says this about grace. It says that it's the divine influence that can be demonstrated in life. The demonstration. It's the demonstration of power because it's coming from a place and he said this is the place and the influence that, that this demonstration of power is coming from. And then he said, this is how I want you to come. He tells us how. I want you to come boldly. And he's saying, I want you to come as family. You're not coming as a servant, but you're coming as a son. It's like going into a stranger's house, right? You go into a stranger's house, you kind of have to say, hey, um, can I have, can I... You know, so, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, there's not a familiarity. And so you don't feel comfortable. But when you walk into your dad's house, you just go to the refrigerator without even asking, right? And you take what you want, right? So you boldly go because you know that you can approach him in confidence because you're now a son, because the son of God made a way for you to come as a son and get whatever you need from your dad. Because now he said, his name is Abba. Now let's talk about this throne. Let's talk about this throne room for a minute. Because the book of Revelations in chapter 19 says that this th out of this throne flows a river. And out of this river... Every place this river touches, things come back to life. So God is hanging out in the throne room, and it says this. The river flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. And everything it touches, it gets healed, 
and it gets made whole. Turn to Hebrews 10, 19, because he even goes further here. So here we are. We've got an imitation. Say, we've got an imitation. We've got an imitation. Right. We've got an imitation to go to a place. Wow. Now, we've got an imitation to go to a place, but where does that place exist? Well, it's a realm. It's a realm. Have you ever been to a realm? It's kind of cool. Because when you go there, you know you're there. You know you've just left the realm of the natural and you've now entered in the realm of the spirit. And, 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 and as a church, we have to practice this. Brother Lawrence wrote a book back in, what was it, the 1600s. This was a monk, famous because what he, what he did is he, it is he practiced the presence of God. He lived in the realm. And that's what we're supposed to do. You got to be able to access the throne room all the time. But all of us have to start somewhere, right? And so if we get a revelation of where we're going and how we're supposed to approach this place, then we'll have a better understanding of how to get there, right? All right, Matthew 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, there it is again, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by a new and living way. It's a new and living way, meaning uh, it's not the old way. It's not the old way. Okay, you can't, with the one priest, the guy that's been given the job, yep, he's been given the job. He is a professional priest. He's the one that used to go in, he'd scatter the blood around, woo, get everything wet with the blood, right? Put a little blood on the mercy seat, and then he'd tiptoe out. Please don't kill me. But today, it's a completely different thing. And he's saying there's a new and living way. A new and living way that we approach him, which is, hey, dad, man, it's so good to be back here. But this is this is very interesting because here in verse 19, he tells us something different than he told us in chapter 4. He said, listen, I'm taking you into the throne room. You now have access to this place. But here he said, I'm taking you in to the holiest place. So he said, this place in the throne room, there is actually a place within the throne room. That is the holiest place. Earlier in Hebrews twice, he said, this is the holiest place of all. The holiest of all, which means in all of the universe, there is a place that has been reserved for you. And did you know the Bible says that the angels can approach this place, but they do not have access to this place like you do. So where is that holiest place? So the holiest place is in the throne room. And he tells us here how to get there. Because he says here, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, by what? By the blood of Jesus. 
So he said, you're going to need an escort into this place. And the escort is the blood. You can come to this place, but you're going to be escorted by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, the perfect and spotless lamb that was slain before the beginning of time so that you could re-enter this place. It's the new covenant. It's the new and living way. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel 7.13. So Daniel was going into a vision, right? He's having this open vision. And he says this, Daniel 7.13. He says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the cloud of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. So he is actually seeing Jesus as he is approaching the Father after he was slain. And it says here that they, what does it say? It says right here, and they brought him near before him. Who's they? So Jesus is in heaven and he's got an escort. Who do you think they is? I believe who he's talking about is he's talking about the angelic host. I believe he's talking about that there are angels there that are escorting him before the Father. That he died, and there are angels that come, and what is he taking to the Father? He's taking his blood. He is bringing the blood. He's coming as the lamb that was slain, and he is being escorted by the angelic hosts. And because he brought the blood and he poured the blood out on the mercy seat and he said, this is the blood of my sacrifice that was slain to, to reconnect all of the children back to you, God. And the angels were singing in heaven and they were like, praise that there is one who can open the scrolls. That there is one that is worthy. Now, when we go, we don't need an escort. Because the escort has already been provided for us. He already went and he did the work the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb, and now our escort is the blood. So the question remains, what is this holiest place? What is this holiest place? Because here we are, going to the throne of grace. So if the throne room is not the holiest of all, I believe that the holiest of all is spoken of in John 1.18, where Jesus said, I enter into the bosom of the Father. 
that I, I am in the bosom of the Father. And I believe that there is a place that is in the bosom of the Father that he went to prepare for us. This is so personal. It's so incredibly intimate. It's so very close that this is the place where we actually come together with the Father of the whole universe. The man, the, the, the one that sits on the throne and he says, I don't want you to just come and stand in this place. But I want you to crawl into my lap where you're going to call me Abba. Abba. And I'm going to wrap my arms around you. And I'm going to whisper all of the thoughts that I have about you. I'm going to tell you what I was thinking on the day that I created you. That my plans and my purposes are for you are for good and not for evil. And then I'm going to tell you about what we're going to do together on the earth. Because if you hear it here, then it will be established on the earth. If you come to me, and you dwell in me, and you abide in the bosom of the Father, then all things will be established through that place. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 109, 31. One oh nine. It says, For he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those who condemn him. So he's talking about Jesus here. So Jesus is standing at the right hand of the poor to save him from those who condemn him. And then he goes on in Psalm 110, verse 1, and he said, The Lord shall say to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your footstools, till I make your enemies your footstool. So, so think about this, because this positionally, if you look at these two scriptures, this positionally, puts us in the, the lap of the Father. And where's Jesus? He's standing right there. He's on the right hand of the Father. And he's saying, you're sitting in the lap of your dad. So you're seated. We are seated where? In heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Right? So you have a seat that has your name on it and it's reserved. You know how you go to places and the, all the important people get a reserved seat? This is a, this is a, you get a reserved seat. And it's the lap of your dad. How many of you guys, you know, with your grandpa? I, I don't know about y'all, but with my grandfather, I had a really big grandfather. He looked like John Wayne. I mean, he was like six foot four, big, broad shoulders, big guy. And his favorite thing to do was to eat. 
And he would eat and eat and eat and eat. And then he would go do the dishes so that he could eat off of everybody else's plate as he was, so he would not leave anything behind. And he would get into this big chair and he would come and he would sit there and he would, he would sit down and you would hear him sit. Oh, he's so full of food. And my favorite thing to do when I was younger is I would go running towards him. I'd see him sit there and I'd just go running and I would jump and I'd be midair and I'd just be bow right into his lap. And he would make this huge groaning noise like, oh. <laughs> and I just thought that was so awesome. And I'd just sit there and he'd take me and he would kind of couple me and I would just sit kind of parked right here next to that big belly and and so he had a place for me in his lap it was my favorite place in the whole world I was his princess how are you baby he would say to me I loved that we have a place in God Ephesians said that I am in Christ Jesus and I'm seated in heavenly places, which is in the lap of our Father. And so he has this place that's reserved for us. And I, and I want to show you this because a lot of us are struggling in life because we've actually abdicated and we've given up our seat. In Acts 1, he said that Judas gave up his seat. And so since he gave up his seat, there had, to be, there had to be another that was put in the seat for him. What does it say? Acts 1, it says this, he made his place desolate. Judas made his place desolate. The Lord chose Judas, but Judas chose to leave his place. He left the place that was assigned for him. He abdicated his seat. He left his seat, so then they had to find another. What does it say that is around the throne? What's around the throne? 24 elders. So you have the 12 tribes, the 12 leaders of the tribe of Israel, and then you have the 12 apostles. All of these people have a seat in Christ. They all have a place that's reserved for them. You have a place that's reserved for you. A place that is in Christ. What happens though is if we give up our place, the enemy then has access to us. Just as he did with Judas. He starts talking to us because we've given up our place on the Father's lap. We've abdicated our seat and we have decided that that isn't a place that we're willing to go. And I want you to think about this in real world, world terms. Because all of us are busy. We're all busy, busy, busy. Right? But, but this is a place of rest. And he said that out of a place of rest is going to come great authority. And if this is the power grid of the whole universe, why wouldn't we want to go sit there? Because you can go out as a businessman and you can do a thousand things. You can fill your calendar. But if you do the one thing 
and then you do what he tells you to do, then your effectiveness is going to be so much greater because his heart is to, because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And so then he will promote you into the plan and the purpose. He'll do the work for you because he's sitting there telling you what to do. And people are like, dang, you're so brilliant. And you're like, Psh, no, I just happen to know someone that is. Thank you very much. <laughs> Doesn't that make more sense? It's a much better way for us to work as unto the Lord. That we would be the workmanship of God. We didn't go down to Austin. We didn't have the Esther call because we thought it was a good idea. Because trust me, we didn't start a house of prayer because we thought it was a good idea. Oh, hey, let's go do that. No, 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 no. He said, go do this. And then we said, no, 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 no. <laughs> And then he said, yes, 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 yes. And so, so if we're going to be established by God, every person in this room has a desire for greatness. And God wants to see you achieve the greatness that you have, the greatness to be great in, in the land. That you would have an inheritance that would stay after you're gone. The only thing that's going to be, will remain for you are the things that he tells you to do. The bosom of the Father. Peyton, you want to come up? We do this in our internships and we teach them to pray. So we put them in this room and we're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to play, uh, play some worship music over you. And we want you to start engaging. And um, a lot of them, it takes a long time because they have a really loud soul life. And, and this is the way I was. And um, eventually, after, after several weeks, I started going into the bosom of the Father. And I didn't realize that that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing and that's what I was seeing. I was seeing that the, 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 the very chest, I saw the chest of Jesus, I saw him pull it back and I would go sit in that place. Sounds kind of weird, but it wasn't. It was really cool. And I would sit in that place and it was causing me to be transformed into his likeness. That I was beginning to sit down on the inside that all of the things, the ambition and all of these worldly uh, desires were getting taken away from me. So that the, the one thing, I was desiring that one thing was to hear my father's voice. And then just do what he says to do.